0: To the Welcome to Wicked Wednesdays. This is episode 39. Okay. Episode 39. This is going to be our like Halloween episode. Um. We took last week off because we had some people that were trying to get information to us because Alan had asked on his page and he had asked in the group for um, people to get in touch with us either through um, private message or um, in the comments section um, about um, the experiences that they had. And, um, we, we had asked, you know, before, but, you know, we really wanted like details or, you know, what, what details people could give us about certain things. And, um, we got some really good, um, submissions. So that's, this episode, we are going to, we're going to talk about some experiences that we've had. Um, trying to think if there's any that I haven't shared, um. I made say, talk about some of the stuff that my sisters told me that she experienced. Um, they were, you know, we're going to read, um, the ones that were submitted. Um, and like I said, some of them, um, uh, one in particular, we were asked not to use the name, so it's just an anonymous submission. Um, the rest of them are out there, so, you know, y'all can see them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, the only other thing that we're going to talk about today, um, and the reason why we're bringing it up is because of the fact that it's been all over the news. Um, we are not going to go into too much about it. Um, I've been asked by a couple of people if we were going to cover this about the, um, Camille Cupcake McKinney, the little three-year-old girl that um, went missing, and they uh, found her dad the other day. Um, we will. Um, we, I don't think we're going to do it this episode, mm-hmm. but we will cover the preliminary stuff that's like already known. But there's so many rumors and stuff that are flying around right now that. Like even the news doesn't really know what's true right now. Most of the news sources are only going by what's in the search warrants, and they haven't released everything that was in the that's you know in the search warrants. Yeah. So there's only like a few things that we know about.
1: Um, and we'll warn y'all before we do shows. Yeah,
0: go. we know we have a lot of people who can't handle um, kid stuff. Yeah, so we will put out a. Um, a warning before you know we release that Um, but we will at a later date discuss what happened Um, but most importantly most importantly I think we need to um, point out the fact that Alabama and Birmingham in particular gets a really bad rap because of the perceived racism that's here but our community the entire state came together because for some reason when we have missing kids every year several times a year but for some reason this little girl and her story it it I mean it has affected all of us I mean I know that when they released that they had found her um People were just stopping where they were at and crying.
1: People at work. I was at work when they released it. People at work started crying. No, you
0: weren't. You were you were, with, you were at the you were in the Halloween store.
1: Okay, never mind. I'm wrong. I was thinking I was at work. Did you were I at talk? work when
0: she went missing. Yeah. Okay. Um. But uh, no. He was in the Halloween store. I was sitting out for the Halloween store. Um. I actually overheard two ladies who were walking past um, the truck and they started crying and I was like what and my Twitter feed went off and I saw what it was and of course I started calling people that I knew and of course like everybody's bawling they were all upset and I went on Facebook and I just see it didn't matter if you were black white Hispanic Asian whatever. Everybody that like I know everybody that like my friends knew I mean like it was just Everybody had the same reaction male female and um, It really let me know that no matter what people think about us here at the end of the day It's it's not true you know there are you know our community will stand together no matter what happens um, but, like I said, the other stuff, having to do the investigation and all that kind of stuff, we'll get into that another time. I just really feel like that right now our community needs to grieve, and I don't really feel like talking about it, um, because it has been a really hard, you know, um, time to yeah. deal with that. So, anyway, that's all we're going to talk about that for right now. Um... Is there anything that you wanna get into? No. Nope. Okay. So you don't have any weird news or anything like that? Do you have any good news?
1: <coughs> it looks like I'll be starting a new job soon. I'll be staying with my old one. But it looks like I'm going to start selling firearms. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he was extremely happy today when he told me that. He told me he was going to be selling pew-pews. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Pew-pews and pew-pew accessories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, alright.
1: Alright, so, uh, you want to get into the meat?
0: Yeah, you want to you wanna, you wanna discuss um, our stuff, or do you want to go ahead and start reading?
1: I'll tell something. This happened at my mom and dad's house. Years ago, I was in, it was during the summer, and I was either, I was staying home by myself, I was either in middle school or high school. And this is the only weird thing that really, I mean, you know, I've never told anybody about this. Uh, You know, and this, this is the only thing that ever happened there, it was really, really weird. I'm home by myself, I'm in the living room watching TV, and I hear something, it sounds like something fell in the kitchen, and like something big, something like a lot of stuff fell, like a shelf full of goods or something, Mm Yeah. and...
0: Now hold on, you were in your bedroom?
1: No, I was in my mom and dad, I I was in the living room.
0: Okay, so you were, okay. The living room in his parents' house is literally, there's a door that connects the living room and the kitchen. So, I yeah. mean, like, it would have had to have been, like, super loud. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just placement is yeah. like.
1: And, like I said, it, fell, it sounded like a lot of stuff fell, and I was, you know, there was no washing machine on, no dryer, nothing. Because sometimes, it, if I ran the washing machine, sometimes it would, if something wasn't balanced right, it could make stuff fall. Yeah but nothing like that, it was quiet, like I said, I was watching MTV, and I ran into the kitchen, and I saw, I mean, this scared me, I ended up running outside, I saw something in there that looked, it was like a, a humanoid with a long, like, long neck, long limbs standing in the kitchen and then it was gone and I just remember running outside and like trying to figure out what it was. I mean, why I ran outside? I don't know why I didn't run to my dad's bedroom and get his gun.
0: You know, how old were you?
1: Somewhere between like 13 and 15 you know? hmm. But I ran out and I stood, hung out outside for about 15, 20 minutes and went back in. Nothing had fallen or there was nothing in the house. And this. That's the only thing that ever happened there.
0: Um, one of the stories that was written to us is from my cousin. And he talks about. In his story about the you know, something that happened in a house that he lived in, but he also brought up the fact that, um, he is technically my second cousin, so his grandparents are were, were my aunt and uncle, but because they, I because of the fact that I was so young, um, and my grandparents had both died by this point. <laughs> um they became my grandparents that you know that was I called that was who I called my mama my dang dang and so like I grew up you know calling them the same thing you know and uh, when I was about five or six I think may have been now I think I was like seven um no 6 or 7. It was somewhere around there. It was somewhere between like 5 and 7. And I'm, anyway, the reason this is important is because when they first, they used to live in Tuscaloosa and then when they first moved up to Birmingham, they lived in a house in Inslee for like a year or two. And then they moved to a house in Midfield. And um, the house in Inslee, I don't remember like anything. One thing I really remember about that house is all of us like playing on the back porch, and like at the time, um, Ellen was nursing David,
1: right?
0: And we used to play with her her nursing pads, and we used to, like act like they were like um, eye patches, mm-hmm. and we used to run around the back porch with her booby pads over our eyes <laughs> like eye patches. <laughs> but that's like the only thing I can really remember about when, when my mom and dad lived in Inslee but when they moved to the house in Midfield, from the time they moved there, um, it was super fucking creepy. Um, and what's so crazy is like, I did not know this until I got into high school. But my assistant principal of my high school, Coach Deaton, he used to live in that house. He used to live in the. He used to rent the basement from the people who lived there before my mom, Dang Dane. Oh wow. And when I was in high school, um, we found out that he lived there, and he was telling us about how um, it was creepy, and he lived there. But (coughs) anyway, um, they moved there. Their youngest son, who um, he lived, he, he decided he wanted his room to be down in the basement. They always called it the dungeon. Because he had it like dark and stuff down there and whatever, and him and his friend like painted a wizard on the wall and all this kind of weird shit and um he was real big into like horror movies and of course porn and all this kind of weird stuff and so nobody went down there and it stank because I mean he was like a young dude and it just it just stank so we never went down there um, but. When we would have like tornado warnings and stuff, Mama would make us go down there's because the basement was separated in like two halves. It was the apartment half, which is where Jess lived, and then there was the um the other half that had where this the staircase that went upstairs, and -hmm. it was the half that was like fully underground. And so we had tornado warnings and stuff. Mama had like a chair and a couch and. Um, a lamp and like um, a table and like some games and stuff down there because anytime it was trying to warn, she made us go down there and we would fight her we hated going down there because it just felt so weird
1: like oppressive like yeah creepy. just like
0: it was just like it was creepy as fuck like we never wanted to be down there by ourselves you know like kids love to explore yeah and like My Aunt Irene, her house that she had in Tuscaloosa, like, literally, the basement had, like, you know those, um, old stone fireplaces that are, like, in a half moon? Yeah. Like, her basement had one of those down in the bottom of it, and that's where Ernest, like, my cousin Ernest's bedroom used to be, and we used to love going down there and climbing up in that fucking fireplace. I mean, like, we would go down there and go through all his stuff. Like, we I, we were never afraid of going, like, anywhere. Like, we used to take and break into abandoned houses just because. Like, we weren't we, like we weren't afraid of, of you know, like, <laughs> most, like, you know, places you'd think kids would be afraid of. And this was my mama's house, you know. So, I mean, like, we shouldn't have been afraid. There was nothing down there. Like, everything that had been down there had been cleaned out she didn't have it, but it wasn't like it wasn't like you know compacted down there and all and I mean like she she wasn't a hoarder she just like kept stuff mm-hmm. like you could walk through her house but she had like certain rooms that were full of shit but because her and my dad cuz my day name was missing a leg he um, he had, had to have his leg amputated at one point and so he really couldn't get up and down the stairs that well he could get up and down them, but it just it was it wasn't an everyday thing he was going to do and her she was a little round lady and she didn't she didn't have really good balance and she fell several times down there and we'd have to go down there and get her up and you know um so the only time really anybody went down there except for jess who lived down there was if there was a tornado warning and dang wouldn't go down there period So, I mean, like, he would go down there if she needed him, but other than that, he didn't care to go down there. So, there wasn't, like, they didn't have any of their belongings really down there. I mean, there was some stuff, but not, like, it was, it was, it wasn't cluttered is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, it wasn't like you had this, like, creepy, you know, cluttered vibe with all this crazy shit or nothing like that. It was just, you know, it was a basement. But she would go down there and it just would just it would just feel off. And what we found was so weird was like she never really fell upstairs. The only times I really remember Mama falling was when she would be down there in that damn basement. Mm -hmm. And Dang Dang would get so pissed because it would scare the hell out of him for one. Because he was always afraid there was gonna be at some point where he couldn't get her up. But, you know, she would go down there, you know, if, if the wind, if, if, if there was a fucking breeze. If they said tornado watch, she was, you know, grabbing up her weather radio and her books. And she was heading to the basement. It would just drive, the, just drive him fucking crazy. And uh, so there was several times that she would, you know, everyth- the weather would pass. And she'd be ready to come up there. And all of a sudden, somehow or another, she would fall and she would fall in a way where she literally would get stuck and she couldn't get up and um... so anyway you know we also we had an, an a um, my i had a cousin mac who her and jess were both into some weird shit um... Later on, Mac decided, quote unquote, that she was Native American and that she had been given the name of Sp- Spotted Spotted Watered Deer. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Babbling Brook, Babbling Brook, Spotted Watered Deer, mm-hmm. and that uh, that the, that this shaman. From somewhere, I think she said Oklahoma or somewhere else. I don't know. Gave her this name.
1: You went into depth
0: on that with our show with Nez. Yeah. Which I mean, I know at one point, one of the times that she said she was on some Indian reservation, she was in prison in Florida. But anyway, um, if y'all want to know more about that, y'all should listen to Nez's show we were (laughs) on. Nez was just
1: like laugh at his. Yeah, Nez was
0: just like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "Yeah, for real." Um, but anyway, uh, but before she got into that, she was into a lot of, and when I say witchcraft, I'm not talking about Wicca because I have a very, um, I have a respect for Wiccans because of the fact that that's one of the original quote-unquote religions. Um, and so, It has a lot of history behind it, especially like, um, not these, like, gay-ass Wiccans that, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm talking about, like, true Wiccans who, you know, anyway, I'm not getting into all that, but anyway, (coughs) she wanted to practice, like, witchcraft, like, she was trying to put spells, like, literally putting, like, spells, like, blood magic, that kind of stuff and, um, her and Jess would play with Ouija boards down there, and when my mom met and married, um, my dad, Jess was like a baby, Mac was like 12 or 13, and so, by this point, She died what, like three or four years ago? Couple years ago. At least two. Yeah. It's been at least two years ago she died. So like I think it's been like two or three years. Um, she was only like fifty something, I think. (laughs) So she wasn't really that much older. You know, I mean, what twenty? Yeah. Maybe twenty years old or something like that. Um, and she. Um, so, like, I loved being around her, though. I mean, like, before, like, I got older and I saw just kind of how sad she got with drinking and everything, um, I loved being around her. Like, we would wear her wigs and we would put her high-heeled boots on and, I mean, like, you know, her knee-high boots would come up to our thighs and we'd stomp around the house and she'd mm-hmm. laugh and we'd have her sparkly wigs on and she'd do our crazy makeup and she was really fun. But... She had a lot of, like, inner demons and stuff that she had to deal with. And later on, like, her drinking and drug use and stuff just got the best of her. But, um, anyway, when she was younger, like I said, she got into, like, some... I don't want to say it wasn't devil worship, because she was never, um... She had, like... She just went through like a period of time where she was questioning things. And so she was dabbling in this and that and everything. But um, the 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 feeling in the house got much darker during this period of time. And I don't believe that Jess ever got out of it. Mm-hmm. Because I know he was doing some dark shit like later on in life. But anyway, um, he moved out of that basement when i want to say i was like an eighth grade and my sister and a friend of hers decided that they wanted to live there um... my ninth grade here in high school and it was like the summer before i went in tenth grade and um so they got over there and they were cleaning out all of his stuff and they found a lot of weird shit and Um, They painted over the wizard. Or, no, they were going to, but um, they didn't really have the money to buy paint. It was Brandy. When Brandy moved in, she painted over the wizard. But, anyway, um, I would go over and I would babysit Bonnie's daughter, Amber. And, Bonnie and Amanda both lived in this apartment. And, Amanda and Bonnie didn't have a TV. Like, they were the kind of, you know, chicks who, they just listen to music all day like, and you know there wasn't like need for a TV. And so I'm sitting there with this little 2-year-old and you know I would turn the music on and like just play with her. And every night when I would go to put her to bed I could not put her in her crib in that bedroom cuz it was a one-bedroom like little apartment it was like a bedroom a huge living room then there was a kitchen that had kind of like a little dinette off of the kitchen and a bathroom and that's all it was down there and um but Samantha so and Bonnie slept and they shared the bedroom and it had like like I think I there think was like two beds and then like um like Amber's baby bed and um Every time I would go in there and I would put her down, she would scream. And Bonnie was, um, at one point, had decided, okay, well, we're gonna try and take and do, um, just let just let her cry. She'll cry herself to sleep. This baby would not cry herself to sleep, though. She would literally, she would scream until she'd lose her voice, and I, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't do it. I was too, I was, I really think I was too young to handle being a babysitter at that point anyway so um I would go in there and I would get her and as long as I had her laying on my chest she would go to sleep and I would just take her in the living room and I would lay her on my chest and we would just both go to sleep on the couch and they had this big huge couch that we would sleep on so I wasn't worried about her like rolling off into the floor or anything like that and um so Anyway, never could figure out, um, you know, we could, Amanda didn't like it there. I didn't like it there. Bonnie damn sure didn't like it there. And they didn't last there very long. They moved out. Well, then, um, um after, um, Amanda and Bonnie, anyway, uh, um, anyway, Amanda and Bonnie move out. And, um, my cousin and um her family move in and we had um we had helped set everything up, you know, move everybody in there so it was like a brand new apartment and it wasn't long after um well they've probably been living there um their baby always had problems like you know um they would always cry and never wanted to go to sleep kind of the same situation with um bonnie's kid
1: mm-hmm.
0: but um it was just I don't know, i guess it was more pronounced because i was over there all the time you know um and then I want to say it was a couple of years later, um, and one day we were all laying down taking a nap, and um, their their kid got climbed out of a window and ran up the hill and ran to my mall and dang dang. And was crying. I was talking about that the man was in the closet, and he was he was scary, and he was gonna kill him. And over the years that you know we lived there, um, the description of the man like changed a lot. Um, they were better able to give us like details of what the man looked like, and at one point. Um, almost like the man was hanging in the closet, and he looked burnt, and, um, but then when, um, like I said, I was, you know, I went, I talked to my, um, vice principal, um, I want to say we found a Bible there that had his name in it, and so we asked him, Did he know, did he know the people who lived there before? And he had told us that he didn't live there very long because it creeped him the hell out living there. And that he didn't realize he had left that Bible there. Mm -hmm. And so, but anyway, my cousin had said on your thing that being there, that that was one of the, the creepiest places that he remembered being besides the house that he lived in in Fort Hood. And so, I was going to go ahead and read that one. Alright. Um, now, I'm going to tell you something about my cousin David. Um, he is one of the most, like, straight-laced people you will ever meet in your entire life. Like, he's funny as shit. He has you know, he's got a very dry sense of humor, but, like, some of the shit he says, just, I die, he's hilarious, um, but, when it comes to stuff like this, like, he always tries to, like, find, you know, rational explanation for things, so when something actually bothers him, then that's when I'm like, okay, you know, I, I believe it, um, So this is what he wrote. He said, I have several experiences throughout the years that cover ghosts, spirits, sleep paralysis, and extremely vivid dreams pertaining to spirits or demons that would occasionally result in me waking up in a state of paralysis. The sleep paralysis was definitely the most frightening or disturbing, but it's so hard to explain that a lot of people immediately dismiss it as simply a dream. The most recent experiences with ghosts or spirits would be when I was stationed at Fort Hood, though. We lived in a housing area on Post called uh, Comanche 2, and there were at least dozens of stories from people in that area and neighboring areas detailing their experiences in their homes. There were supposedly many burial sites found when they developed the neighborhoods in that area, but I can't confirm that. I do know we all experienced a lot of strange things while living (laughs) <laughs> We're living in that house, and so did some of our neighbors who lived on a street called I cannot pronounce that. Can you pronounce that? Crankincola maybe. Okay. Um, which was made <laughs> up of older houses that had been renovated. I've never experienced more in one place than I did there. It started fairly soon after moving in, and didn't affect just one or two of us. We experienced cabinet doors slamming in the kitchen while no one was near. While, while no one was near that room. Our dog, Buddy, would stand at the stairs and make noises, but refuse to go up the stairs quite often. And my son, James, who was around two at the time, would argue loudly with someone that was trying to take his bottle in his room. Do you remember what he was telling us about this when we went yeah. to that that nasty-ass ice cream place? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> in addition to those incidents, my oldest daughter, Morgan, remembers seeing someone pushing an antique-style stroller down the upstairs hallway oh, wow. and my sleep paralysis was more frequent and more intense while living there than anywhere else in my life. It was bad enough that I still get chills thinking about it um, because of the feelings it brings back. I've experienced many more such things at other places such as my, my grandparents' house and my ex-in-law's old house but the more recent events mostly happened while at Fort Hood. Um, he's not the only person I've heard about that has said that Fort Hood was haunted. Yeah. Um there's I've seen like a, a couple shows where people talked about living at Fort Hood and the house they lived in being haunted.
1: That thing about the figure pushing the old baby carriers, that's just hmm.
0: yeah. <coughs> Morgan wasn't the, wasn't wasn't, you know, a kid who just had like yeah, a vivid imagination either. So um he um. He also said that house is one of the most unsealing or haunted places I've been in. I've been in the, he said it was constant there.
1: And that's your looks No, that's, that's the Fort Hood okay.
0: house. Um. Then we had um Tim Isabel who he's a guy who lives here. Mm-hmm. He has a he has a, a um and, a, and a pay an, an abandoned Alabama page where he's gone to the high school, He's gone to the old Concord Elementary School. He's gone to the West Side Mall mm-hmm. over here. Like Again place that's like public but it's closed down, he'll go in. Um, one of the things that he sells they said I explored Concord Elementary before its demolition and on my abandoned Alabama page said so we had just wrapped up a walkthrough. When I hear a door slam, the school's windows were all closed, by the way, and it was, a, it was a door near the stairwell. That place has always felt strange. Um. Let's see. Did that Natalie? Yeah, I've got hers. Okay.
1: This is a Odd Mother. She's in the Psycho Bunny death
0: cult. Oh, that's it is? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, my bad.
1: No, that's okay. Natalie Jets Pike, I think. Let me yeah. get to that message. This is... This is pretty creepy. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, this is from her. Here is mine if you can use it. If you have any questions, let me know. I've had several paranormal or otherworldly experiences in my life, but by far, this is one of the scariest. It was the late 70s. I was pretty young, 12 years old, when this happened. For those who have experienced count- encounters at a young age, probably know what I'm saying here. Often when something like that happens, your story is somehow dis- discounted because it's put off to imagination, experience, etc. Yep. But I know what I heard experienced without a shadow of a doubt. If one can experience a form of PTSD from such things, this is how I describe the feelings I have when I think about that memory. It's crystal clear, even to this day. Just to set the story a bit, I was visiting my grandmother. She lived in a small quiet town in northwest Georgia. She lived on this property since my mother and aunts were young, so I had spent a lot of time there growing up. It was not rural in relation to the town, but in an old, established neighborhood. The neighborhood also consisted almost entirely of older people and retired people, so there were not a lot of large abundance of children, teens, or young adults. There was absolutely nothing scary about this area. Anyway, we lived in Atlanta, and to come to see her, it was late. <coughs> About 9 p.m. when we got there, and after saying our hellos, I was asked to go out to the car to get my suitcase, as well as my younger brother's suitcase, out of the car. Once out of the car, to the left of me, about 60-odd feet, was a rather thick and very tall hedge. Just on the other side of this hedge lived an elderly couple that rarely left the home. As I was removing the suitcases, I heard movement within the hedge, which would have been difficult as the hedgerow was extremely thick. At first, it sounded as if it was a really pissed-off male cat. It was a combination of hissing, growling, and a tomcat howl chatter. So I blew it off, as I would have to have been a small animal to get into that hedge area. No sooner had I discounted it, it seamlessly changed to that of a very large, very pissed-off dog growl. At this point, I had stopped getting the suitcases out of the car and had looked over toward the area. Within seconds, a growl again seamlessly morphed into humanoid guttural laughter that continued to change into a higher pitch. Very menacing laughter. I never saw anything, but I can tell you with all honesty that when I say seamless, whatever it was, never took a breath. This noise in total probably lasted a full minute. The sounds I heard that night were too true to be animals, to be the animals at first mimicked, to have been made by human vocal cords. Whatever it was, never took a breath to move from one sound to another for over a minute. I know sure as shit if I tried to make a continuous loud noise while changing pitch and tone, I would never meet that 60-second mark without inhaling. I have never been so scared in all my life, and I know I must have looked like Shaggy beating feet back into that house. (laughs) I have had so many people over the years tell me it must have been teens, etc. playing a joke. But keep in mind the time period when this happened. It was very different as far as technology. We did not have cell phones and recording mixing equipment, software, one could easily carry around to pull off such a stunt. I've also spent the last 30 years trying to figure out exactly what I heard and I'm very familiar with local wildlife in those areas. So I'm going to beat you to the punch. No, it was not an owl. It was not a fox. It was not a bobcat. And as some have suggested, no, it was not an escaped patient from the insane asylum. LOL. I think besides the sheer horror of the sounds was the fact that whatever this was seemed to have a precognitive ability and knew how to scare me the most. Nat. Um uh, I? She, uh, oh, okay I'm sorry. she said uh I, I said thank you so much. she said absolutely I hope it helps, and I hope no one else has had to go through something like this, but at the same time to know if one of your listeners have it'll be a bit of relief as I still don't have a clue as to what it may have been. I have some ideas, thanks to a good friend, but it's still an unknown.
0: I have heard of stuff like this, okay um and I don't know what it is, but I have heard people who have talked about that and have talked about, like, hearing sounds like that. I mean, I've, I haven't i have heard something that sounded, what was, that lasted that long, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I think we've all heard weird shit. Oh, yeah. But that would, especially being that young, that would have freaked me the fuck out. Um... <clears throat> Then we have another guy who is, um, you know, Raven. Did, yeah. Did you work at Slauson Him? Or? No, I worked at uh, Graham Associates. For okay. Um, he's friends with me and Alan both on Facebook. And he said, well, you asked, so, I'm not sure you'd find this interesting, but when I was living down around Dothan, which is like you're going towards the beach, like you're going towards Florida. Um, he said I had a black cat named Salem I lived in an old run down house and in the corners of the living room up against the ceiling the landlady had put mirrors from broken powder compacts up facing the walls she told me once that it was to contain spirits in the house and prevent them from getting loose I had heard that That is, um, I would like to know if his landlord was um, a black lady um, because I had that I had you know that friend of mine, Racy, that um, mm-hmm. I had lived across the street from me. Her little her grandmother, whenever anybody would die, she, it didn't matter. If, I mean, not when they just having like a wake room, but like when anybody would die, she would cover all the mirrors in her house up because she talked about how that like mirror, like you know the dead could, could, you know, come through mirrors, could travel through mirrors. i heard
1: all white people do that, too. So. And, um,
0: but, like, mm-hmm. I thought it was just like her grandma, but then I found out that there's a lot of, um, people who do that. Of course, I never knew any white people who did that, so, but that's, um, but anyway, uh, I didn't really hang out a lot of white people. Anyway, um, anyway, um, he said anyway I came home from work late one night and as I was walking towards the bedroom I saw a black cat run from my room to the room across the hallway I called for Salem thinking that it was him but he came up behind me from the kitchen looking pretty shaken I went into the room to look for it thinking that a stray cat had somehow gotten into the house but upon checking the room closet and other rooms in the house I found no sign of the cat I brushed I brushed it off, but when I told my then fiance, who was the landlady's daughter, about the following day, she mentioned that the years prior a pet cat of hers had died, and she mummified it in some sort of voodoo practice to watch over the house. I eventually talked her into getting rid of it and setting it spirit free, and from that point until I moved away, there were no further incidents. Um. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh. That's, that is, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. All
1: right, uh, I'll, got, I'll do the next one. She gave her name, but when she calls, it writes into the pet room stuff, so she goes by Namiria Okay. So, uh, she's from the Philippines. And she said, uh, we've had quite a few around our family compound. The most notable of late is a lady with very long hair, brown clothes, and an unidentifiable face. I've never seen her myself, but have my friends, half my family, friends, and our housekeepers have. Mac's husband saw her once spread out face down on our be- on my bed, and my youngest saw her once pop out behind a corner, turning in our house, and also standing in the kitchen at my brother's house. Mostly she has been seen around the grounds outside of our homes. I don't know if she's connected, but I notice that she is seen in and around my house during periods when I'm sleeping in- slipping into depression, so it might be attracted to ne- negative energy.
0: Um... I would wonder if that would have anything to do with um not initially a poltergeist Mm -hmm. but you know how like certain people who have um psychic energy can like they talk about how that they can like project yeah I mean I don't know if it's like I said I don't know if it's connected to her or not but I mean if it was, if that had something, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's that's creepy though, especially the
1: unidentifiable face.
0: Yeah. Um, the next two that we have are pretty long, mm-hmm. and um, one, like I said, is anonymous and it was sent through an email. And um, it, uh, um,
1: it's anonymous. He goes by an alias. I can give that. It's Zach Black. He's in the Psycho Bunny Death Cult too.
0: Um, I'll read that one. Okay. And then you can read the other because I don't have that one. That's you right. have it. Okay. Um, the email that he sent, it has um, a lot of uh of information in the beginning of it that I'm going to kind of skip past, um, because in the in in the um later on it explains everything else that's already in here. Um, let's see, um, there is one thing, there is one question that was asked in this, it's almost kind of like a questionnaire, and, um, it says, uh, it said, um, have you seen objects move that are not supposed to, And and they said chain link fence shook violently, as if a person had their hands in the middle of it, thrashing it back and forth, it could not move without force. I even tried to replicate the motion. I had a witness to that. Um,
1: I believe that might have been at Sloss. He was a Slossy.
0: Yeah, I know. Me to that. Um, okay, this is this is his personal testimony. This is a small child. I had a problem with nightmares. If y'all that noise y'all hear is my dog snoring. Um, anyway, just wanted to let y'all know. Anyway, back to this. As a small child, I had a problem with nightmares. I remember to this day seeing a very bizarre looking witch coming through my bedroom door while I was in my crib. That was the first nightmare I remember. I woke up from that one, so I know it was indeed an, a dream. My nightmares reoccurred. My parents got HBO. I saw a horror film called The Hand. In the movie, a man loses his hand, and the hand crawls around killing people. After I saw that... The hand appeared in my nightmares. The, the hand haunted my dreams, appearing frequently, tormenting me and chasing me. Later on, a severed leg joined the hand, which walked as if still attached to a body. Later on, an ugly puppet I saw on a kid's show, then a witch, then a clown. Eventually, I had a small army of familiar characters that tormented me as a teen. As I grew older, I dreaded bedtime. I felt, um, I I felt as if something was there waiting for me. Um, because there's so many different parts of this, I want to talk about this part real quick. I remember when, um, I was growing up. I had several recurring nightmares, but one of the ones that I had was that I used to dream about my dad dying, but he didn't die, like, from, um like any like a disease or something he dream he died because a witch like put it like killed him and it was all and it was like it was like literally it would scare me so bad i would wake up <coughs> screaming and crying and that kept on until i was like 10 years old and um i've always thought that had something to do with the shit that was in my house anyway he goes on He said, when I was around 8 years old, I was wide awake and I heard feet scooting across the carpet in my room. My stepbrother was sleeping in the bed next to mine. Our door was shut. I know it was not my brother. No one else was in our room. Months later, I was trying to go to sleep but was having trouble, knowing that I was most likely going to have a nightmare. I had nightmares frequently. I slipped the cover over my head and stuck only my nose out to breathe. I picked out from under the covers and I was shocked to see someone standing right over my bed looking down at my face. I didn't hear anyone approach. In my room, I could hear every step anyone took at all times. Whoever was standing over me was absolutely still, statue still. I couldn't see any details on on this person. They appeared to be black as a shadow. As I tried to make sense of it all, I thought perhaps my mother came to check on me. I called out, "Mother!" No answer. I froze in fear. I thought it was the end of my life. I closed my eyes and waited for it to attack. Nothing happened. It was silent. I opened my eyes and it was gone. I never saw it again, but I knew it wasn't a physical human being. Thinking back on it now, there was a street light that cast light through our window, which cast shadows of everything on our wall. That thing cast no shadow. Do you remember... I know... I watch a lot of YouTube with Reed and one of the things that she loves doing is watching like Shane Dawson videos and he talks about how like his whole life he feels like that he's being like chased by like demons or something and his first experience was he was little and like he woke up to like somebody standing over him in his sleep Mm -hmm. and when he closed his eyes and opened them back up there was nobody there so he got up and went in there cuz he thought it was his um, or no it was he thought it was his uh, mom because it was his birthday and she would come in there and like tell him happy birthday or whatever. So the next morning he said something to her about, you know, uh, did you come in my room and tell me happy birthday or something like that? And she said, "Oh no. that must have just been, you know, an angel or something like that." And so for like for years he thought that like an angel had visited him in his sleep. Until later on when, you know, he started having, like, really bad, like, issues and whatever. But, um, <clears throat> so, uh, he says, Much later, when I was around 10 or 11, I got sick of always having nightmares. I felt like something was visiting me and inducing my nightmares and feeding on them. When it was bedtime, instead of dreading oncoming nightmares, I turned off the lights and sat for several minutes in total darkness. I told whatever it was to come get me. I was ready to fight. I told it I was sick of it all. I told it I was not scared of it anymore. I told it to come get me and I was ready for it. After that, I really had a nightmare. I spent many years wondering what that thing was and I had been searching for answers. I found stories on the internet and in a book where others have said where others have had this experience. Um that's like a demon. Uh, one morning when I was around 13, I was riding on the school bus, and I felt as if my grandfather was near and telling me goodbye. I thought I was just being depressed and morbid, so I shook it off. I even mouthed the words, goodbye, Grandpa. When I got home, my mother and stepfather were crying on the sofa, and they told me that my grandpa was dead. After several questions from myself, I was informed that he had died in the morning that day. Um... When I was 17, some of my high school friends stole a tank of nitrous oxide and we were huffing it out of balloons. Really huge punching balloons. I took a whole balloon load in my lungs and lay down. My heart started to beat rapidly. It increased speed until it locked up. When my heart stopped, I rose out of my body. One may be inclined to think that I was just high, however, when my heart was beating, I could feel the intoxication in my flesh. While I was out of body, I felt nothing except my thoughts. I rose higher and higher into space. Then my heart kicked back in and I fell like I fell what felt like thousands of miles in a second. I got up and left knowing I had died for a minute. Um in one of the questions that he that he answered up here, um it said, um, was have you ever had out of body experience? And he, he answers that with, Yeah, my heart stopped and I came out of my body. Um, one of the things he says, when my body, when I hit, when he's, when he hit, you know, he fell back into his body, when he hit, my body bounced up a few inches. So I thought that was, um, interesting. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it says, uh, if my memory serves me, in 2008, I was helping build scenes and mazes for Sloss Fright Furnace. In case you don't know, Sloss Furnace is located in Birmingham, Alabama and is a historical site where iron was processed and many people died in misery there. There were also suicides and a speculated murder. For several years, every October, this site is transformed into an event called Sloth Right Furnace. Mazes and scenes are built, actors put on costumes people pay to get scared. Regardless of the year, what happened while I was there a month prior to opening night was extraordinary. About six guys, including myself, were working away. And then all of a sudden, the lead construction man points, uh, points and says, Holy shit, did you see that? A long story short, he saw a man who looked like an old sloss worker from way back when the plant was still open, going down some stairs that were not open to the public. A few others saw it too, and it happened twice that night. Strange thing was, I saw nothing. Uh... Another saw the specter in full color, another saw him in transparent gray, and another saw a shadow. All were pointed to him moving, everyone's fingers moved as the specter moved. We ran to look down the railroad tracks where they said the man went. They kept seeing things move and we kept looking as we worked. Eventually we stopped working and just watched, it was too amazing. Late at night I was watching down the tracks with my friend. He was able to see more than I could, he was telling me what he was seeing and trying to point... It out to me. After a while, I saw black shadow feet run across the track faster than a man could. It made no sound, and you can't walk in that area without making noise. There was nothing but feet. The upper parts were transparent to me. I gasped for breath. I returned many times to that spot, looking for more. I saw heads peeking from behind steel beams, and when I shined the light, they disappeared. When I turned the light off, they appeared instantly as if they had not moved. My friend went to go get something either that night or the next night all by himself. And when he rushed back saying that a a black cloud surrounded him, choked him, and told him in his own mind to get out. Can I just say something? (laughs) I'm not trying to call your friend. I'm not trying to say anything. But that's exactly what that jackass Mm -hmm. on What You Call It said. Yeah. So, I'm just saying. Hmm. Okay. Uh, there were no verbal words, but his mind received thought communication. I believed him because I've had similar experiences on top of what we had seen together. Before we started working on construction there, I had many problems emotionally and spiritually. My girlfriend was leaving me. I was in debt and I had quit school. I was hurt, angry, and I couldn't see a good future for myself. And I was angry at my parents so much that they, that we weren't speaking. I got on serious drugs, trying to cope, and I really didn't care how to live at that point. When I saw these shadow figures at Sloss that month, I became filled with disturbing thoughts. I thought of actually killing people who came to the Fright Furnace and killing myself. I had also seen figures appearing to still be working there. The thought of people's spirits began trapped working at um, the thought of people's spirits being trapped working at Sloss in a never-ending hell had me very disturbed. It's all I could think about. I was filled with the lowest feelings I had ever had in my life. I could not function anymore, and I knew that place had something to do with it, so I didn't show up for the last week of construction. It helped. I regained a little more mental health by not being there. Later on, a girl and myself stayed in the blowing engine room after flight furnace closed. No one else was in there with us, and the doors were closed. We sat in pitch darkness. We heard footsteps go by us, and no doors opened at any time. She started to snap pictures and she got a skewed shadow figure standing above us on a walkway that was closed. I've been up where she snapped the picture and you can't get there without making noise. At 30 years old, I lived in an apartment building (coughs) in downtown Birmingham that I found out later had been a place where sick people went to die. One night, I was relaxing in the conference room on the first level after a party I threw. I saw what I thought was a cat running, but it ran into the wall, like through the wall. I saw it from the corner of my eye pretty clearly. Clearly enough to know that it had ran through the wall and was not a physical cat. It was shaped just like a cat, but saw it black like a shadow. At 35, I took my wife to a package delivery store around 9 o'clock at night. I waited in the car while she went in. As I waited, I looked in the rearview mirror <clears throat> and about one block down, I saw shadow figures behind a tree. I kept my eye on the tree thinking maybe a person was there and they would eventually move. As we left, I kept looking and my wife was asking what I was looking at. We drove by the tree and there was no person anywhere near. That was about June 2011. Many years ago, one of my friends told me he was spending the night with our friend that was on drugs and having some serious emotional and spiritual problems. He was sleeping in a different room, and he sensed something going on in our friend's room. He tried to ignore it and sleep, but just couldn't rest with the feeling he was having. He felt as if people were in our friend's room. At some point, he fell asleep, and he dreamed that there was a black shadow humanoid sitting on his bedpost looking at him. He looked at it in the face, but it was just black. He focused, and a face appeared on it, and it was his own face. He leaped at it, and they wrestled a bit. Then he woke up. He knew something was praying on our friend in his state of spiritual illness. Another person I know claimed she was at a public park at night. She and a friend were there and they saw three black figures that appeared to be very tall and cloaked. They came towards her and were giant-like. They left and no harm came to them. And then that's the end of it. Um, <coughs> I don't... I want to make clear... I'm not saying I doubt this dude Mm -hmm. it's just that one I don't know if that's the same guy that he that told him that that was on um, Ghost Adventures Mm -hmm. but we all know that that was a load of shit so um, but that's the only thing I thought was odd well and it's just and I don't even know when this was written so I mean this could have been written way before that ever even aired. I don't know. Um, it's just that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying it's crazy that yeah that's like almost down to the like exact wording of what that jackass on there said. And of course we know that that dude. I don't know if he... I'm not going to say he was lying because I don't know what his experience is. But I know that it wasn't somebody named Slag because Slag does not exist. Yeah. And he specifically said it was Slag. Mm Mm-hmm. So, anyway...
1: Zach didn't like that
0: dude. Okay. Well, then, there you go. So, maybe that dude stole that story from his actual friend. So, I just want to put that Mm -hmm. out there. If anybody has heard us talk about the Ghost Adventures episode at Sloth's Furnace and they've heard this guy's story... Obviously this dude did not like that dude. Maybe that dude stole this other guy's story. I don't know It's just I don't want to put anything negative on this guy because like he said that was not his story That was somebody he knew story, so Alright you have uh, uh, My friend Alyssa. Yeah, you have hers and she sent me some messages Uh, um can we real quick it, li- if she's listening to this and you may want to if she's not mm-hmm. You may want to message her and let her know none of your videos would play. And I don't know why. I think I think it's a little creepy. But none of the videos that you sent, Alan, that of your of your curtains moving or of your son dancing, like or walking, mm-hmm. none of them would play. I've tried on I tried on different phones. I've tried to restart his phone. I've tried um Several different ways to play those videos, and they would not play at all. So, I just think it's it's just odd. So
1: the videos are for Sundance, and it, it kind of goes maybe with something paranormal. It's kind of sweet though. Yeah. Um. But the first one, uh, I was about eight years. I was about eight. I used to have horrible nightmares about a little girl sitting who sat in the rocking chair next to my bed. She had a fancy white dress with blonde curly hair and red eyes. She never said a word in my dreams and only stared at me while I slept in my dreams, just rocking away in the rocking chair until I awoke. Night after night, the nightmare woke me up. But one night it woke me up. It was around 3 a.m. My bedroom door was cracked and I saw the smoky clear bubble floating around the ceiling fan in the kitchen. My bedroom happened to be the room right next to the kitchen. It was the very first house my mom and biological dad ever owned and the only one I ever knew. Oh, and the only one. I never knew what the smoky clear bubble was until watching Ghost Hunters for the first time, and they mentioned in the web that was what I saw. Uh. <clears throat> anyway, that was she said. Story number one, as it was my first spirit encounter. Now on to story number two, because it's my next spirit encounter. As I've had several. The thing I find interesting is her talking about, you know, the way her bedroom was with the kitchen. At my mom and dad's house, my bedroom. I could see into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I hated being able to see into it unless the oven light was on. So we had a light above the oven. And unless my door, if my door was shut, I was fine. But if it wasn't shut, I wanted that oven light on. I did not like looking in that dark room. I don't know why. Like I'd have my room, all the lights in my room turned out, you know? And mm-hmm. I just, something about like that. But if I had Tony, it was good. Anyway, this time I was around 9 or 10. At my, my cousins and I were at my grandmother's house for the holidays. Mind you, the house was very haunted, as it was my great-grandparents, whom I never got to meet. My two-girl cousins and I, all three, would sleep in my grandma and grandpa's room. And we would fight over the spot furthest away from the closet. Because all closets were spooky when you were a kid. Well we agreed to switch up spots every night so no one so none of us had to sleep in that spot every night. I thought I was lucky because I got to sleep on the side that was closest to the hallway where the lamp was on, so nothing looked scary. I was wrong. I was dead asleep, didn't even remember a dream that night. I was woken straight out of my sleep by a ghost, a small boy, probably around six or seven. He was wearing knee-high socks, overall shorts, dress shoes, and a button-up dress shirt. He had dark brown hair and just stood there staring at me after I woke straight up out of my sleep. It was like my body was in shock and I was paralyzed from seeing his spirit. After he vanished, I closed my eyes as fast as I could and eventually went back to sleep. I believe I woke up the next morning after everyone else because it must have been a while before my body was able to sleep again. I don't believe the boy spirit meant any harm, and honestly it could have been my great-grandpa in his younger years. I don't think I'll ever know who he was, even though I wish I did. Okay, on to my next story. I was around the same age except things had gotten worse. My parents were split up and we were forced to go stay with one of my mom's friends. Unfortunately my mom's friend had no rooms available so we had to sleep in the cold dark basement. This one was much like my last one except it was a sign because the spirit was in the form of my great grandma Finch, the one I never got to meet. And this time my sister saw her too. So we were asleep and as always when we were scared we slept with with the covers over our face. Well one of the nights we were there we were woken from a dead sleep both my sister and I at the same time and there my grandma was watching us and making sure we were okay this was an incident that happened right after the night where my mom's friend slapped my sister across her face and we left the day that day and my mom never spoke to that friend again so believe my grandma is my guardian angel who watches over us and makes herself known when something is about to happen now after seeing my grandma I hadn't seen another spirit form, but strange things still begin to happen—or begin to happen. Spirits can oftentimes connect through electronics and other ways if they want to. Well, since seeing my grandma, my parents officially divorced. Other life, life obstacles begin to happen, and I lost touch with the other side until my grandpa Hanson passed away. We went up north before I had my son, and I'd seen my grandpa in the nursing home before he had passed. It wasn't good. He, has all, he had alzheimer's disease and couldn't remember who I was I was devastated a few years passed and I had to have been 20 by then we got a phone call saying my grandpa had passed it was the night before that my mom and I knew something was up because our phones kept ringing even my boost phone that had been out of service for several months was ringing and when we answered them we got nothing after hearing the news of my grandpa we pretty much figured it was him trying to get in touch and our phones only did that that night The next thing that happened was when my deceased husband and I lived in an old house built back in the thirties. It was this recliner in the living room. And one day we woke up to the recliner being turned completely around, facing the corner. At first I thought it was my husband, and he thought it was the same thing about me, but it wasn't. The kids never wanted to sleep in their own rooms after that. We stayed in the house three years, and nothing ever happened except for the recliner being turned completely around. It sure did feel good to get out of the house for good, though. I know that much. (coughs) The next encounter I had was personal. It was nearly a week after my husband's passing. After being at my mom's for almost two weeks, I decided it was time to go clean my trailer out, the one him and I bought together and was fixing up. There was a picture of me in kindergarten eating a cookie, which Jamie loved because he was a big sweet eater. Well, while we were there, I was, of course, upset packing up my things, and all of a sudden, the front door slams. No wind outside or anything, and the picture of me eating that cookie flies off the coffee table. My mom and I took that as a sign to quit quit mopping and pack up my stuff and get out of there so I could start moving on. That was the last encounter I had before seeing my curtain move in the video I sent you. And after my great-uncle Jeff just passed away not too long... Maybe a week before seeing my curtain move. Was it moping or mopping? Uh, M-O-P-I-N-G? Moping? I I don't know. I thought it said moping, but anyway. Anyway, one thing about my Uncle Jeff was he liked to hide in the closet at my grandma's house and scare us as we walked by. He'd hide behind anything to give us a good scare. He was the goofiest, best uncle we could have had. He also loved to dance, and my son, who's on the spectrum... Seemed to have pick up, picked up Uncle Jeff's slack by starting to dance on our walks down to the bus. We're going to send those videos, too. And she sent a smiley.
0: And then uh, that, those were stories, and she sent videos of her son dancing, mm-hmm. which didn't work. And like I said, I really wish that we could have seen the videos, just because, you know, I think that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, our last... which I had people who were like, oh, I've got stories. You know, I'd send them, but it'd be too much just see." It's never too much to send.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it like I've told Alan, and I've said this, and I was I'm gonna tell y'all, if you want to send, because you can send audio files. You can like I mean, Facebook Messenger. You can go on there and make like a you know and and send it like do a voice message thing and send an audio file. Um. If you ever want to hit us up on Skype, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to type it out and just send it to us one day, you don't even have to. You can be like, "Hey, I don't want y'all to use my name." We won't. Yeah. Um. But anyway, Sorkness had come, had, um, had left a couple of comments on our the last time that we had asked for people to, um, get you know, give us some examples. And, um, he had just, you know, said like a couple little short things. And so when I you know, when we asked for details, um, he posted, he sent this to us yesterday. And I was kind, kind of glad that we waited. Mm-hmm. Me too. I mean, cause, I mean, um, but he says, uh, at the hospital, there's one ghost that hangs around the operating rooms. Some of the staff have had, it, have had encounters with it. They call the ghost Bob. And in the original building, mainly where the nuns used to live, security have had very strange things happen, like the lights being turned on when they were turned off and sounds of the doors being open and shut. And <clears throat> a lot of that happens when security is locking down the building, so it's to the point that some of the security staff won't go in the building, pussies.
1: <laughs> that uh, put that.
0: I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they can go and read it. It says the ones that uh, the ones that will told me that they can't that they can lock up the building in record time. Hope that brings some light as to what is going on in the hospital. Love the show and don't change a thing. We appreciate that. But he also gave Thank an you, update. Dude. He said, "I quit that job two weeks ago. Got a good job, 125 miles from my house, refurbishing military trucks for civilian companies." I'm glad you don't have to deal with that shit. Um. <clears throat> We, uh, love the fact that you love the show. Mm -hmm. We're just doing this because it's fun. Um. I was talking to my mom about this. Um. And. You know. I always, you know. I get irritated with myself because, like. We'll be reading something. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I something like that you know I've heard something like that before but half the time I don't even believe myself you know like I will explain away a lot of the stuff that I hear like I'll say well yeah I've heard that but I don't know what it was um just just because of the fact that I was always like every time every time that something happened like you know I forget which one of them it was It's something about, you know, that I think it was um what's her face about the hedge? Yeah. When she was talking about you know 100. little yeah, little kids you know, nobody pays attention to what little mm-hmm. kids have to say. They really don't. Because when you know, I was growing up and I would go like my dad knew shit was happening. He wouldn't talk about it. And if you brought it up he'd shut you down. My mom would find some sort of, you know, explanation, even though it made absolutely zero sense. My sister was the only one to be like, Yeah, you're fucked. And <laughs> but that's because she was dealing with shit too. Mm-hmm. She was seeing and she was hearing stuff. And the episode that we talked about religion, one of the hours that we lost, she talks about this medium that she used to go see. Was not wrong, no, it wouldn't be a medium because she didn't talk to the dead. Um a so seer? I don't really know what you would call her Because like She wouldn't take money She was an old lady Um Who was Um She would tell you to donate to her church Or you could take and bring her like baked goods And stuff like that And she would always tell you that You know Her visions did not come from her They came from God And she could only see what God let her see. So she didn't answer any questions. She didn't do, like, you know, your love life and all this kind of stuff. Um, And my sister had kind of started, like, being, like, real dependent on her and was coming to see her more and more often. And the lady told her, you can't come see me anymore she wouldn't see my sister anymore because she said that my sister was putting too much faith into what she had to say and not into what you know what her faith needed to be at um so um but my sister was so into seeing this one because of all the experiences that she had dealt with before that and it's just like when she was talking about, you know, what her beliefs are as a Christian and how the things that she has seen and she has dealt with, um, it's because of the fact that we grew up in a very active house. I honestly wonder what it's like there now. I do. Too. I
1: know, um, I can't remember if I mentioned it on this show or not. After we had moved out, Sometimes I'd have to go by there and pick up like an otter and, you know. Yeah. uh, Go check the mail and stuff. And I had slept there for two years about.
0: Yeah, that was over two years.
1: And one night I had to go in there to get something. And at this point the power had been cut. Yeah. And I had the flashlight on my phone. and I went in there. And I had come home. From, I was. I'd stopped there on my way home from work. And I was carrying a fucking k bar, you know. <laughs> so like I stopped and I had the k bar in the car. Mm-hmm. And I and I started to go in and I just I, I, something fell off, you know. And I went back and got the knife. And went in there and I had the flashlight on. I didn't even have it sheathed. If that item—I forget what it was—if it hadn't been right there where I could have got it, I'd have told you it was gone. That's how bad it felt in there.
0: See, I just don't know. Like, I mean, I just remember the night that you went over there to get something, and the, this is before the power—before we cut the power off. Um, that guy, like you had shut the door, but you didn't lock it. And that dude, like, opened the door. It was, like, walking in the house on you. And you, like, had, you were standing close up to the door to, like, slam the door shut yes, and lock it. In it. Yeah. But it was just, like, it was so crazy. Like, that would, I mean, that right there let you know that, like, because you could see inside the house. There was nothing in there. Mm-hmm. Like, the blinds were gone. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what was so crazy to me was the fact that, like, he could, definitely see in the house to know there was nothing in there mm-hmm. there was nothing there for him to take or to, to try and rob he could definitely see you he obviously saw you go in there you know I mean like like I, I think that I don't know I mean I think that that has a lot to do with like the uneasiness of it cause now that the lights are off you didn't know if like there could have been somebody like sleeping in the back Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or whatever because I I (laughs) I don't know how y'all feel about this but I have a um, pellet gun that looks like a a um, Smith and Wesson um what 40? Yeah. and uh it's got like the CO2 cartridges in it and stuff and I have the metal, the metal pellets and I would go out and stand on my back porch and I would shoot it into the woods behind my house and you would hear like the crackheads and the homeless people out there yelling at me to stop shooting them and I kept shooting them because they were on my property and because of the fact that I swear on everything that is holy when we were cutting down trees mm-hmm. on that back that, when me and Travis were cutting trees down that bottom part of the bank we saw a um, I what you call it? It something smelled like it was dead. And when this tree fell, we saw a um, a blue um, tarp. Not a tarp, a sleeping bag. Okay. But it was zipped like all the way up, like even like, the head part was zipped. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those ones that like zipped from the feet yeah, all the way up dead. to the head. Yeah. And um, but it was it, but it was a sleeping bag. I mean, you can see where it was quilted, mm-hmm. and it smelled like something was dead. Like as soon as that tree fell, and it because uh, it was like there was, you know how those bushes were back there. Yeah. The tree instead of falling towards my yard, it fell like back onto the bank. And when it did, it pushed this like big ass bush like out of the way, and there was this um what this sleeping bag, and it smelled like something was dead. And I was like, "Fuck that!" We we quit cutting down trees at that point, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like that tree, I think is still laying across the thing. Like we didn't after we didn't fuck with it after that. Um, that was what two thousand fifteen. Yeah, and um, but I was always like terrified there was a dead body back there, and I told my mom, and she said she called about it, but nobody ever came out there to look which that just shows how fucked up Birmingham is, but, um, I mean, they may have sent somebody out there, and we weren't there, but as far as I know, no, nope, there was, we never saw anything, so there, there may have not been anything out there, I don't know, but, um, I was always, like, super paranoid that somebody was gonna, like, OD behind my house, because, like, they would go out there, and they would set up, like, these little fucking camps, and they would sit back there and they'd get wasted and I didn't want them like robbing my house and shit so at night I would go out there and I would like shoot you know off the bank and they're very glad I wasn't out there with my fucking nine doing it but anyway and I would just I'd light the fucking bank up with just pellets I mean I would have like a big ass thing of like a thousand pellets and just and uh they uh but I used to do that all the time. And finally I got to the point where people quit, like hanging out back behind my house. But, um, after we moved, though, there were several times that I stopped by there because that's how I found out that the water, the, the kitchen sink had, like, the,
1: Birch.
0: yeah, the water company still hadn't turned our water off, even though I had told them to turn the water off. And I stopped by there just to make sure there wasn't anything that was left that I couldn't remember. And, uh, the whole, like, kitchen and dining room was just flooded. And I was like, son of a bitch. And, um, when we were moving, Alan and Travis got a little crazy and started, like, busting out windows and shit. And they had busted the window of my bedroom. And... I noticed that there was more glass broke out of it and I was like shit what if there's somebody in here with me it was daylight but I don't put nothing past anybody over there so I just kind of like backed out of the house and was like they can have it and I never went back um, except when I was trying to tell the guy who bought the house that there was dogs buried in the backyard because we put concrete over them so the other dogs couldn't dig them up. And I was like, if you're trying to dig in the backyard, because he kept saying something about a septic tank. And I'm like, dude, you're on sewer. You're not on septic. And he kept saying something about digging the backyard. I said, well, the only thing that's in that backyard that you're going to dig up is dead dogs and they're covered in uh, concrete. concrete. I was like, now, if you want to dig up the uh, the uh, garage, I. Uh, I don't know what's underneath that, but, uh, yeah, anyway, I've often wondered, like, what that house is like now that it's had so much remodeled, because I know any time that we did any work in there, like, shit got real,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and, uh, I know that the guy, the guy who owned it, I want to say he was a Mexican dude, but I don't know. But I know that he had a group of Mexicans working on the house and I know that every time I went by there they had every door open, all the windows open, and there would only be like one person in the house at a time, the rest of them would be sitting outside. And they were usually like passing tools like through the windows. Like they like they didn't want to go in the house. So, I don't know. I've been tempted to go by and ask the people who live there now, hey, y'all, this house haunted? <laughs> I got
1: a couple of stories. These are funny, and these were uh, from my granddaddy. Well, one of them's funny, and the other one's kind of weird from Granddad Tex. Mm-hmm. He's passed away now, but he probably fostered my love for the paranormal more than anybody else. He'd tell me scary stories. We'd talk about all kinds of stuff. And one story he always told me is their old house in Auburn was on Patricia Circle. That was the name of the street. They moved there, I want to say, I forget how my mom and aunt were, but I, want, they, I think they lived there. They moved from that house in the mid-90s. But anyway, he said one night, he was sitting in his easy chair, and the way that house was set up you could go down you go in there was a den and then there was a living room and the living room was uh it was a hall that led to the back of the house with their bedroom the guest bedroom all that stuff but you could shut a door and block it off and he said he was sitting there in his easy chair and he heard something going down the hall. He said, went Clip, went clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. that mama? You know, my grandmother was asleep at the time. And he just sat there and he looked. He, he loved his
0: newspaper. <laughs> just, I don't, I'm not trying to interrupt y'all. <laughs> you know. My mom just opened the hallway door and I thought Alan was fixing to shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That wasn't expected.
0: <laughs> but uh,
1: he said he just sat there with his newspaper. He read it. he get like two or three newspapers a day, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just lowered his paper and looked down the hall, and he didn't see anything. And something padded down the hall. So it sounded like my mom and aunt running up and down it when they were little. I never experienced anything in that house ever. Yeah. And then uh, he said when he was a kid growing up, he grew up in Greenville, Alabama. And... Yeah, the Whistle Stop is. That's
0: in the... Uh, I thought it was in Greenville. No. It's oh. like in Irondale. It is? Yeah. What's in Greenville? There's something in Greenville. I'm not sure, honestly. But, uh... I know people got, uh... Greenbow. Yeah. From Forest and right now there's only Greenville. Yeah,
1: but he grew up in Greenville, which is kind of in South Alabama. And he would, uh, you know, travel. He'd walk everywhere, pretty much. And there was a house near where he lived that everybody thought was haunted. Nobody stayed in it long. He told me, you know, he said... uh People, you know, that people would move in, and if they didn't have them, you know, they'd get guard dogs all of a sudden. You know, you'd see like the uh, the man of the house and stuff sitting out with a shotgun, walking around. You know, it'd be late at night. If you woke up, you'd see you know somebody with a lantern walking around with a shotgun, and he knew some people who would be who had befriended some of the people that lived in the house briefly, who spent the night, said you'd hear chains dragging and stuff. Never, you know, but that house did not stay lived in. And this was during like the Depression, I think. Yeah. Anyway, he, he had another, he had a cousin or uncle that he had to walk that road every night from work. And he would not walk it unless he had his knife open. So he said he was walking home one night, and he was coming near that house. And that house was on top of a hill, and you'd go down, you know. And there was a, uh, when you got down, the road always kind of say washed out, so it was kind of sandy at the bottom. So he's walking, and he gets near that house, and all of a sudden, he, every time he hears a step, he hears, swish, swish, something behind him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's He speeds up, it speeds up. He ends up, he bucks it down the hill and he gets that sand pit and he's hearing it and it slows down with him. He looks down and he realizes he was wearing new corduroy pants and what he was hearing was his legs brushing each other. <laughs> <laughs> they say he was so scared. you know, <laughs> He just knew something to come out of that house after him. <clears throat> he also told me, he said around that time, um... There was a man, you know, and he all... Every year, you know, he'd plow his field. And so one year it started turning up human remains. And they don't know if it was an old slave cemetery or an Indian cemetery. But, you know, he had been plowing it for years. And, you know, as you plow, the earth gets down.
0: Yeah, I know. But most farmers... I mean, like, they'll have a harvest one year and then they'll plow... Somewhere like that, that's why they have to rotate the crops yeah. because it, it erodes the soil
1: so bad. Well, like I said, I'm not sure how long this had been going on, but he said, you know, that one year the guy started plowing and uh, human bones started coming up.
0: What year was this? This had have been in the 20s or 30s. I wouldn't think it would be like an old slave cemetery because. And he said, "You know, it was that
1: would have I wouldn't have taken that long for that to have popped up." Like I said, this was uh, he told me about this. He's been dead since 2010. Yeah, and he told me about this when I was like a teenager. Yeah. So I'm just get, you know. So
0: no, I mean, that yeah, shit happens all the time.
1: <sighs> and my dad always told me that when he lived in Clanton, and I think this is kind of cool. There, there was a farmer who had some property. And that property's been the family for years, and there is a big old cow pasture. And cow pastures are kept clean, you know. There's just grass for the cows to graze. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of this pasture, there is a cost of trees, and this is not huge. It's probably about the size of a house, you know. Uh-huh. No, keep going, because I think I was talking about it. Go ahead. Um, and he told me that the reason they don't mess with that is in those trees, there's a cemetery. They don't know who's buried there. They don't know if it's slave cemetery, his family, what. But it's just they figured out a cemetery because, you know, graves will sink. Mm-hmm. And they found that, and the farmer decided they never messed with it. Um,
0: <clears throat> Clinton is a very, um... That whole, like, from Clinton on down mm-hmm. is, uh... Is a really, uh... Active? Yeah, area. That's where
1: Alyssa lives. I'm not sure how much of this happened because mm-hmm. just from gathering her on her Facebook profile, I've never met her in person. She was friends with somebody I was friends with and posted some funny shit, and I was like, hey, okay, I'll be friends with them, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh... She lives in Clanton.
0: Mia Pratt was like right below Clanton. Yeah. So I'm not sure where all these encounters have taken
1: place. I know some Mm -hmm. of them, I think, took place when she lived up north.
0: Well, you know, they talk about um, the haunted Highway. Yeah. You know, I mean, you had, like, Hank Singer talk about it. You've had several people have talked about it and have seen, you know car lights, it's, I mean, to the point where they've seen, like, old carriage and buggies, I mean, there's an old, um, Civil War, uh, cemetery that's out that way, there's, and I mean, like, a nice Civil War, ce- mm-hmm. uh, cemetery that's out there, um, there's, um, that's where a lot of, um, the, a lot of the, the, the tribes and stuff are out there, um, like down in South Alabama, um, but I've heard a lot of
1: stuff about Clanton. I know this, um, like I spent a lot of time down there, this where my dad's from, and, uh. I wanted, I had, a, I had a tent, and I'd camped in the backyard with my dad and stuff. I was little, mm-hmm. and I wanted to camp in my grandmother's woods with him. He mm-hmm. so said, okay, and you got to realize at this point, like, I'd played in those woods my entire life, always during the daytime, never scared, and I was with my dad, you yeah. know, and
0: not, you know, Dad, what? <laughs> I just know how you are about your daddy. You know,
1: I felt went around him, fucking Godzilla. I wouldn't be scared. You know. Yeah. But we got out there. We set up a camp. He even made a little fire. We had. He found this these old pieces of metal out there. It's like an old stove. Mm-hmm. Built fire in that. You know. We, we make our little hot dogs. Make our little s'mores. And it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And he
0: does have his gun. Mm -hmm. Always. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that you have a small arsenal out there.
1: And, you know, we're... We ain't that far from my grandmother's house. You know, thinking about it now, we might have been half a mile, you Mm know. And um, we go to sleep, or we're trying to sleep. And I'm laying there just... I was... so scared at that point, you know. And then my dad's right next to me in the tent. Yeah. There was something, you know, I don't know. I mean, I ended up falling asleep.
0: I don't, I'm trying to think if I've ever had anything besides like when we went out to Hayden and like that was creepy. I mean, because you, I mean, literally, I don't give a shit what anybody says. They can argue with me. I heard people, mm-hmm. you know, out there. But now I don't know if that was the people who are out there making mess <laughs> Or if that was actually, like, I don't know. But mm-hmm. all I know is, like, Hayden creeped me the fuck out. But, I, I was always so terrified of the woods because of my dad. That, he, he, <clears throat> that's the only reason I didn't want to be a Girl Scout. Yeah. Was because I was told that I'd have to go to, like, camp. Mm-hmm. Like, like, go to camp and, like, go out in the woods and stuff. And... I think that's why my dad wouldn't let me go to Camp Cosby. My, he, he didn't... He, you didn't go out in the woods and you didn't stay in the woods after dark. I mean, like, he, was, he still hunted. Like, he yeah. hunted for years. But... um, If it... Like, when he... He always knew how far he went in. And he knew how far it would take him to get back out. And, you know... If he knew it took him an hour to walk in so far, then he knew what time to start walking back out. And he would get there, like, early in the morning the sun would be coming up when he would get there, because he wouldn't get there, he wouldn't, like, go into Mm -hmm. the woods until daybreak. Which a lot of times, a lot of hunters say you need to get there before, but he didn't give a shit. He wouldn't do it. And he would leave before it even got remotely dark. Yeah. Because yeah, most people leave around noon anyway, because by that point your smells on everything, and um even when you like dress yourself down in deer pests. It's just but <coughs> you know, he um but he always told anybody who went with him, if your ass ain't in the truck when I'm leaving, you're left. I'm not mm-hmm. um but um they uh I have never like ever wanted to be out in the woods. the, uh, the closest thing which was something that um the uh your friend said they was talking about that they were out, they were in a park and saw like three tall like, figures coming mm-hmm. towards them. I don't know if I ever told this or not, but like you know Bayview, which if you're from this area and you mentioned Bayview, automatically you're gonna some, some weird somebody's gonna start talking about some weird shit. Bayview was a town that um was built up I was because of the mine it was it was something I don't know if it was, I think it was a factory was mm-hmm. over there and so that's where the town came from and um there was this old rickety ass like uh bridge yeah wooden bridge it was like iron and wood bridge that was the original bayview bridge and um there were for years there were ghost stories about that bridge and to the point where they eventually pulled up 90% of the boards off that bridge so people couldn't get across it because um, people were um, they were uh, going out there and like doing a lot of graffiti and yeah, they were saying that there was, like, ghosts and, you know, um, of course there was a lady who was supposedly looking for her baby that she had thrown over the side of the bridge and, you know, just your average, you know, everyday ghost stories. But there are some areas that are over there that are, like, these small cemeteries and one of them is, like, um, over by a baseball field and um it's like this tiny tiny little cemetery and um a bunch of us had gotten into the truck so we had the the new baby bridge has got the concrete and stuff well a lot of dumbasses who don't know that that's not the original baby bridge would go out there and like try and you know say they saw ghosts and shit out there which you would see like the the fog and stuff coming off of, you know, the lake and stuff or the pond, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I mean, I guess it is a lake. It's just a man made lake. It's not very big though. Um but uh like you would see the fog and that kind of stuff rolling in. It's creepy as fuck, don't get me wrong, but I mean there was really nothing out there. Well um I don't know if it was Fourth of July or if it was New Year's. I know that a friend of ours used to run one of the crazy bills firework things. His mom did, and she would let him work at it. And so we'd go up there and hang out, like the like we'd get up there right before they closed down. Mm -hmm. And we and I don't know if we were supposed to, but we would get all the fireworks that were left over, and we would put them in the back of the trucks, and we always go out on Bayview and. We would just, like, light up that fucking bridge. And this one night, some dumbass shot a bottle rocket into the whole thing of fireworks. Mm -hmm. And we probably had about six or seven hundred fireworks sitting Mm -hmm. out there. I mean, like, seriously, like, we would take, we took, like, we would take the, the inventory that was left over and we would go and, like, shoot it off. And because it was already marked off like 75% off by that point, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout the day they would just keep marking it down to next to nothing. So (coughs) anyway, we would go and I think like they let us get away with that because he didn't get paid to work there. Mm -hmm. And um, but anyway, so that (coughs) night like there's this there's this huge fucking explosion, right? Like all this shit's flying everywhere. Several of my friends got hit with fireworks, like, you know, we're, like, people are jumping into the, the back of the, the truck, and uh, we're hauling ass to get out of there, because, like, we just know the fucking cops are coming, because it was just like a fucking fire, was on this mm-hmm. bridge right here. So, we haul ass into Bayview, instead of going back home, we go, like, into Bayview, and, um, a friend of ours had her Ouija board. Same girl that had her Ouija board at my house. And uh she had gotten this it hadn't been like New Year's because she had gotten a Ouija board for Christmas. That's a kind
1: fucked up Christmas present.
0: Her family, they that was like tarot cards, Ouija boards, all kinds of shit they get for Christmas. They were like really into all that. Um but uh they uh anyway, trying to get my point. Anyway, so we go into Bayview and you, Okay, you know where Baby's at. You've been yeah. to Baby, right? Okay, you know how that ballpark... Uh, like, there's the big ballpark, and then there's, like, a smaller ballpark. And if you... Um... Like, if you go to the small ballpark, it's like a dirt road. hmm And if you keep going down that dirt road, there's, like, this rickety-ass, tiny cemetery, like, way on back, back there. And mm-hmm. it's, like, all grown-up, and it's got, like, a rusted-ass, um raw iron fence and the, the fence is not it's the kind of fence that's got like the spiky points around it and it looks like it's maybe like a family cemetery or something I mean it's small and so we are out there and there was all the guys I had three we had there was three guys and all of them had like rangers okay and two of them were like newer and then there was another then the other guy had one that was a little bit older Mm -hmm. and uh the one that was older it was uh, um it was a five speed i think and then the other two were automatics okay so we um this isn't this that detail is kind of important so like one of my friends had a speaker box in the back of behind his seats. And um it wasn't hooked up to anything. It didn't have any speakers at the time. He had, like he was redoing all of his, his speakers at the time. So he took the speaker box out, set it in the bed of his truck, and everybody's kinda sitting on like the sides of the, the, the bed and we're playing with the Ouija board and I was like, fuck that, I'm not playing this. Fuck you guys, I'm over here. Because I had already had my little experience. And so, um, me and like a couple other girls were over to this one side and we were sitting on the tailgate of another truck while they were all playing that. Well, we're sitting there talking and I didn't even notice this at first. But one of the girls that was sitting with me was like, hey, I think somebody's in the cemetery. Because... They looked like um, was out there with like a flashlight or a light of some sort, right? Like I all you could see was the light moving around, and <clears throat> so we started kind of getting a little creeped out, you know, whatever. And of course, you know, um, everybody's heard the story of there's the state, and we're supposed to go to the cemetery. Yeah. So of course, you know, we're sitting there, and um, like we're still talking but we're looking at this light and we're trying to decide if it's even worth saying anything about because it was like really far off and um like it could have not been at the summit like i mean when it's dark you really can't tell how far away something is especially yeah. when it's like because you get know, pitch black out there there was like where we were sitting at there was still the street light that you that was like at the edge of the ballpark that was still shining like a little bit of light over where we were and they had the bed lights on mm-hmm. so you could see like what they, they were they were playing the Ouija board or whatever they had so they could see but what we were sitting at it was pitch black and uh so but this it was like a small little dot so it had to have been like far far off and I wasn't as blind then as I am now. So, um, so we're talking, we're looking at this, and it. I noticed that they have gotten oddly quiet. And we turn and we look at them, and they are all staring at the same thing we are, but they have a completely different look on their face than we do. And right about that time, the radio Turns on in one of the trucks, and then we were like, "Oh, well, he must have left his keys in the ignition," you know. It's that's that's what it, you know. That's what it was, you know, rationalizing shit. And um, but of course, it made us jump and whatever, and. Next thing I know, everybody that's in that other truck is like scrambling. And like I, I told you we were sitting on the tailgate. My friend, his is like I told you, his is a five specific one. We were sitting on the tailgate truck. He literally pushes us off the tailgate into the bed of the truck, throws the tailgate up, jumps in the car, his car won't start. The truck won't start. So none of the trucks will want to start and the dude whose radio had cut on like it cuts off there's i mean they're all like freaking the fuck out and we're looking around like we're those three we're sitting like okay what in the fuck's happening nobody's tells anything all you can hear is go go god damn it go go we still have no idea what in the fuck's happening like we're literally like all we see is this light mm-hmm. but it looks like it's getting closer. Like, we start noticing it looks like the light is getting a little bit bigger. Like, it's getting a little closer. But it's still so far off. We don't, we're like, what the fuck are y'all freaking out about? And I'm like, and I keep thinking to myself, you know, because they just keep, like, turning it over. Like, they're going to flood the, their, you know, this shit and it's not going to start. And my friend, who I was the one of the truck I was behind. He screams at his other friend. He dropped it, in nature. He screams at his friend, Push the goddamn truck! So he gets out. He starts pushing the truck, and he starts trying to pop the clutch to get it to crank. And there was a hill that you, you know there's the hill that you kind of, you go up to to get to yeah. the cemetery. So they had already when they parked, they had already parked the trucks to go out, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's telling him to push it downhill, so that way you know he can take and get it to go. And it's not doing it. And he hit the bottom of the hill and finally it cranked. And dude like dove into the back of the truck and we race off and we get to Bayview and we stop. We stop at Bayview Bridge and we're waiting on the other two. And we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And it's been like ten minutes at this point and they're not coming. So, he's like, we gotta turn around and go back. And I, we're still like, what happened? What happened? And they don't tell us anything. We're like, man, they're just fucking with us. They are seriously fucking with us. So, we get back up to the ballpark. The trucks are still sitting there. And, like, two of the girls that had been playing with the Ouija board. There was the girl who was her Ouija board. And there was two other girls. The other two girls were sitting there. And they're just crying their eyes out. The boys were sitting there. They're looking scared. And the other girl who, who was her Ouija board. She's just like whatever. And we're like what the fuck is going on. And they're like please help us get out of here. And so. They. Um, they um, They jump he uses his truck to jump off their cars because their batteries were dead mm-hmm. for some reason. And we all get back to Bayview and of course Bayview Bridge by the way was like black and there's all these like um, fireworks. fireworks and shit just laying there. And we're like yong, yong. Well we get back to um, my friend's house and Everybody's piling out of the trucks and shit. I'm freezing my ass off because I still had never gotten back inside the truck. I was mm-hmm. in the bed of this fucking truck. It's like January. I'm freezing my you know. We get out we're like, What the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? And they're like, you know, did y'all see that in, in the in the cemetery? And of course so the three of us who were not who were in, who were not playing with the Legion were like, Well, yeah, we saw the light, but it just like a flashlight. What are y'all freaking out about? And they're like, you know, you didn't see, like, the three, like, black shapes that were, like, holding the light? And we were like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? But we sat there and watched this fucking light. That there was nothing around this light. Mm -hmm. And, um, they were like, you didn't see it? You didn't see it? We were like, no? And of course, then they start telling us, and I can't remember, like, what all they said that, you know, the Ouija board was supposedly supposed to have been saying, um, because I think, I don't know, I think, to me, I feel like there was a light, I know that was there, I don't know if a lot of that's, like, suggestive, Mm -hmm. because of the fact that, you know, that can happen, but I know that it was weird that, the batteries died on the truck which the one truck I can I can I can kind of see it because the bed lights were on but those don't really use that much battery and we weren't sitting there that long the other one I have no idea why um I don't know why the radio cut on because the the keys were not in the truck Mm -hmm. found that out like when he jumped in the truck and was trying to crank it so I don't know why the radio cut on but I have but um and I just know that like they were terrified. They said that, like right before we showed back up that those like three figures stayed out there like moving around through the cemetery, and they thought that like there was they thought it was they sh- like people, mm-hmm. and that they were like gonna hurt them. And they they didn't know what to do. And I'm like, why didn't y'all like just run? Why didn't y'all like get away? You know. And one of the days was like, I didn't want to leave my truck And I was like, you, it's a fucking ranger
1: mm-hmm.
0: But Yeah uh, But that's, yeah
1: I got one uh, You know, I've talked about locking and unlocking The church and some the stuff there mm-hmm. Um Well, had a buddy go with me One night, I think I've heard me talk about him Travis
0: Yeah, we have to. Have, we just talked about Travis a minute ago, yeah He, uh
1: he worked in the cemetery at the church. Mm-hmm. And he told me... <clears throat> I'll tell this story, but I'll tell some of Travis shit first. he uh, He'd be out there at all hours of night messing with the lawnmowers and stuff. And I also think he was just trying to get out of the house sometimes. And he said, you know, you'd be out there in the cemetery, be quiet. And he said you could hear stuff dragging and footsteps. And he said uh, the old man that helped run it Help was over it. This guy named Billy had seen like apparitions out there. Billy had been out, done been on the cemetery thing for years. So, you know, he ran into a guy in like old-timey clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said, Billy, sometimes he said he'd look toward the church and see like people in the church when they weren't supposed to be there. Because you could see the back of the church, you could see the windows and stuff, you know?
0: Oh, I saw you come out of the damn building. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know...
1: But one night... So anyway, Travis and I, he goes up there to lock up with me one night. And he, he said, you know, we, we decided we were going to ghost hunt because he really wanted to see something in the church.
0: That doesn't yeah. surprise me at least. That. And we were...
1: We went into the build the part of the building, the oldest part first by, and called it the Dairy Queen side because that's what that was by. And we're going down, and to get there was a hallway, and then you went down some stairs to get to the sanctuary and stuff. Do you know what part of Did you ever go over there with me?
0: Or where the you? old sanctuary stuff was.
1: No, this was on the other side of the church. The the sanctu- you know where the old sanctuary and stuff is. Where, where the we-
0: vestibule is, where you go in.
1: Yeah, this was on the other side. The the chapel where me and you got married... Yeah, sometime out. Yeah, the, what we saw was down in that area. Yeah. But we were on the...
0: Do you not remember that night when you said that you saw something?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I took that picture. Yeah. I took two pictures, yeah. and, there like there and it was like something darker in there it was gone. Yeah. This was on the
1: other side of the building. This was on the Dairy Queen side. That's where... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. It's the Dairy Queen side. But, uh... <clears throat> Me and Travis, we were standing there, and he and it was dark, and he's like, "Hey man, what's that?" But you could see stuff because the exit lights were on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, "What?" And he said, "Look." And he looked down the hallway, and you can ask, you know, I don't know if he'll ever come on the show or whatever, but you can ask him. We looked, and the only way I can describe it, l- listeners, y'all've seen Predator. You know how Predator looked when he was cloaked. You could see like kind of an outline moving and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looked kind of like that. Coming down the hall. Yeah. It was weird. But it wasn't like a whole thing. It was like legs.
0: I don't understand how until you moved in with me that you say that you were a skeptic. I don't believe you ever really were a real skeptic. I think you just didn't want to believe it. (laughs)
1: I was kind of like your mom. Was, there was a rational explanation for it.
0: You want to find a rational explanation for seeing some wavy legs.
1: Was there heat coming off the floor? No. It was like in the fall, winter. When mm-hmm. was and then there's the video me and Travis took one time. <clears throat> he had gone with me one time in the summer. And it was still light in the, in the church because it was like summer summer, you know, we're going to get dark until like 9 o'clock. Yeah. And we were up in the choir room and here's what's so crazy, we saw, like, we didn't see him, but the video on his phone, he was recording with his phone, mm-hmm. picked up these two, like, red orbs going through the, uh, kind of the little hallway off the choir room.
0: Was this... This was... Uh... just a couple years before we started dating yeah yeah I saw that because he asked me what it was
1: because the thing is though after we watched it several times and you saw it mm-hmm. we went back and we were looking for it and we couldn't find them what and, the video yeah I mean we had the video and stuff but they were gone off video I'm not kidding we reviewed it we sat there and watched it because we wanted to like screen cap it or something you saw the video yeah That they, it disappeared the lights disappeared. yes I'm not even kidding that's weird I'm not joking you can ask Travis you know (laughs) but yeah um, like I said that building you know like I told I've said before there were some nights didn't bother me a bit other nights I'd have that thing unlocked locked up on a dead run and that third floor sometimes I could look up in the stairwell and kind of see if there were lights on
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That well, was the that was the hall the room Sarah saw the face looking out. Yeah. There were some nights where it was like
0: It was like she was gonna stay on, you know? Um Talking about Travis, <clears throat> you know that's that whole like summer of two thousand fifteen, we were going up to Hayden, right? Mm-hmm. And you would go up there with us during the daytime and in the summertime it's like really overgrown like all in through there and on the property it's like you can especially in this like one area you can walk back like a like you know a a little ways and then it's like a drop like a sheer drop Mm -hmm. and on either side of that it's not but like in this one spot it's a like it's a drop off but it's got, like, limbs that are growing out of the drop-off right there. So, this whole summer, like, me and Travis would go out there at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And we'd be out there at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. Riding four-wheelers, shooting guns, just mm-hmm. just fucking off. You know, just, just doing whatever. Just, yeah. you know, being assholes or whatever. And, because there's nothing out there. You don't have to worry about bothering nobody. Nothing. There's no cops. Nothing out there. So, um, but we would go out there almost, I mean, at least two or three times a week. Mm -hmm. We were going out there. And, um, during the daytime, we would go out there, um, shit. There was some, was at one point we were going out there every day. Do you remember that? We'd yeah. get done working on the house and then go out there and go shoot guns and yeah. shit. So, anyway, uh, round about November, Travis goes out there to go hunting, and by this point, it was like, yeah, I mean, you were hanging out all the time, so we weren't going out there. It was cold, and I don't really yeah so don't not you know, um, but all summer long especially when the like I would get left in the car by myself especially like when Travis would go off on the four-wheeler or y'all would like walk off and leave me or whatever i got super nervous i felt like somebody was watching me and that shit didn't really start until like July i didn't start really getting uncomfortable out there until, like, middle of July. Yeah, about the middle of July. Is when, like, I really started getting uncomfortable. And, like, I threw my first fucking hissy fit about being left alone. Like, the first part of August. And then I just quit going out there. It was, like, August 28th. I remember that day. Because I took a picture of this fucking rattlesnake that we caught and put in a, co- in a mm-hmm. Dr. Pepper bottle. But, um, that was the last time that I went out there that summer okay in November Travis called me and he had gone hunting and or he had gone out there like cause he put game cameras out and shit and um do you okay do you remember the tree that he kept trying to blow up mm-hmm. and he like he uh, eventually, like, what was it like maybe the next year he finally cut it down yeah. with a chainsaw? Yeah. you want to know why he cut it down?
1: got hung himself on
0: it? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't necessarily that tree. It was the tree that was right underneath that. When the guy used that tree to lower, to tie himself off onto mm-hmm. the other tree, and then he jumped and had been hanging from that tree that whole summer. While we were out there, all of us, Mm -hmm. me, you, all of us, while we were out there, this dude had literally been hanging on the side of that wall right there. Oh, wow. Like, like, decaying. And
1: there was anything we smelled.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were several times we smelled like, you know, we thought it was the pond at one point. An animal. An animal, like we thought that, you know, we thought that one of the coyotes had killed something. There Mm were several times that we smelled like, something dead out there, but it was the middle of the fucking woods, so we didn't think nothing of it, and then apparently, um, when all, like, the leaves and everything fell and whatnot, Mm -hmm. they realized this car had just kind of been, like, sitting, and so they did, like, a search of the area, and that's when they found his body, and that's, like, but yeah, and the Travis was, like, he always said there was something out there. He said he heard, like, um, now, the Cahaba, mm-hmm. when we maybe go out to the Cahaba at night, that shit scared the fuck out of me.
1: Yeah.
0: I refused to be left alone out there at night. Mm-hmm. If it started, like, if it started getting dusk and, like, nobody was with me, I got in the car and fucking left. I told him I was like, y'all get to where y'all can take and get a, a signal, call me, I'll come get you. Mm-hmm. But I ain't sitting out there in that fucking shit. Because there was one time we were coming back from, we had been out there like night fishing or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, me and him used to go down there and like just, you know, hang out by the water and stuff. And we were coming back. Were you with us that time when we saw a dude like he was from The Walking Dead? No. Fucking hell. There was this dude, and I mean, like, he literally, look, he, I mean, obviously he was a fucking meth head. Mm -hmm. But he had, like, sores all over him, and he was just fucking shuffling. And, like, scared, and he, like, was, like, he walked out into the fucking road and shit. We blew through that stop sign, because it was right there, like, that four-way. And we was like, phew! Like, right there by dog, general. Mm -hmm.
1: I remember one night, me and Travis went out there to swim. We had gone out there to swim. It was during the day. And we were swimming. We hung out. We were hanging out there for a while. And it got dark. It gets dark fast Mm -hmm. out there. And we were still hanging out. And all of a sudden, both of us, I mean, we were both like, let's go. Yeah, let's go. And I mean, it felt like oppressive.
0: Oh, yeah. As soon as it gets dark out there, Mm -hmm. it gets creepy as shit. And it's so quiet. Like, you can hear anything. And, like, the time that we went with Nathan, you can ask Nathan about this, it was me, Nathan, and Travis were night fishing. And we start seeing these lights, and, like, we had a spotlight so Travis could see, like, where he was casting at. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the water moves pretty fast. And, but as soon as he would see where he was casting, he'd turn the light off because the the, um, the game worms and stuff, they'll think that you're, like, shooting at fish in the water. Yeah. So he, um, we start seeing these lights like across the river. Only problem is there's no roads on the other side of that. That's like mm-hmm. sheer cliff right yeah. down through there. So there's no game with this. So, well, at first we were, because at first we thought, oh shit, there's the game warden. But then it dawned on us there's no roads over mm-hmm. there. There's no way the game warden could have been over there because of the fact. Now, had he been up at the top, yeah. But that whole like cliffside right there is just nothing but like trees and and, like it's just phew you know. And then we start seeing like red lights and blue lights and like yellow lights and they're like I mean moving like crazy. And like now I know we saw um, an alligator Mm -hmm. because we could see the shine off of its eyes. But the rest of the lights the way they were moving and shit. It was it was fucking crazy. And like you could hear like sound like a woman screaming. I thought that was a bobcat or something. Yeah. But of course they say we don't have those. No. Bullshit. Yeah. There was a hood panther in my backyard. Sparkles. Fuck like that. That thing's name was Tupac. Okay. <laughs> was a legend. So. You anyway. You got anything else? No, I'm
1: done. Alright, I think that's it. Um, Hope y'all enjoyed it. Happy Halloween. Definitely, happy Halloween. Um, enjoy it, and we'll see y'all next week. You got any ideas for what you want to do next week? No, I don't know. I had an idea. What? Um, it was a... I went down a rabbit hole with this guy several years ago, and... Um, Ended up kind of having some nightmares about it and stuff. He was a mafia hitman named Richard Kalinsky, the Iceman. Oh, God. What?
0: Yeah, what about him?
1: Well, I know who he is, yeah. I read the book about him, and I watched, I rented those, uh checked them out from the library, those HBO documentaries they did. hmm And I got into it, and then like I was like, okay, i got to put this up for a minute, you know? Okay. Would you have any interest in covering him? Sure. Okay. There's also some shit on my ID about him. Yeah. Alright, so uh, as you said earlier, happy Halloween. Later. See ya.